0: Good morning, this is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. We're so pleased to have in our studio today, Miss Emily Hines, the candidate for Village President of South Orange, New Jersey. Emily, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much, Darrell. Uh, thank you for having me here, and I would like to extend a warm and gracious thanks to all of your listeners. Um, I am running for village president of South Orange because I love this town.
0: Before we jump into that, um, share with our audience, well, first of all, the election's on Tuesday, May 12th. May 12th. And share with our audience a little bit about your background. Tell us who Emily is.
1: I have lived in South Orange for over 10 years. It will actually be our 11th anniversary on May 12th, on Election Day. And uh, we picked South Orange because as we were deciding where we wanted to live, my husband Joe and I. We wanted to find some place that had exceptional schools, that was diverse, that was close to New York City because that's where we both worked at the time. And we drove around and drew this circumference around New York and found that right community that was 35 minutes away, that was on that train line, that was beautiful and had everything we really wanted in a place to live. I, at the time, was an attorney practicing on Wall Street. Um, That was a really tough job. Wasn't sure what color house I lived in at the time, but then when we had kids, um, and my kids are eight and six, they're in the public schools here, we decided to take a a step back from that and I left that practice there and moved over to a corporate job where I coordinated litigation um, for about nine years, I guess. I left that job at the end of October because I was tired of traveling quite so much lot of travel, spent a lot of uh, August in Iowa. Um, no parking problems in Iowa. Um, but, you know, I live here in New Jersey, and this is where we wanted to be. Um, so this is sort of, I think, the natural progression for my community involvement here.
0: And where did you do your undergraduate and in your, in your legal so uh, I education? I went to law school at mm-hmm.
1: St. John's University in Queens. Okay. Um, and, uh, It is a great school. I I hope that uh, your your listeners won't hold it against me. No,
0: no. We we consider ourselves a sister school to St. John's. (laughs) I do
1: have a nephew that went to Seton Hall Law School as as well, so we have some connection. Um, And... uh, so I did go to law school at St. John's, and I went to undergrad at UC Santa Cruz out in California.
0: Very nice. Um, yes. But I am
1: originally from Staten Island, okay. which is just a hop over the bridge from here.
0: That's interesting. Staten Island, University of California, Santa Cruz. How did that happen? I mean, because you jumped from one coast to the other coast.
1: I did. I did. Um, you know, uh, my parents split up, and one of them wanted to live on the left coast. The other one wanted to stay on the right coast. And I got to have in-state tuition at UC Santa Cruz. And who could pass up that? I think that at the time, it was probably about $1,400 a semester. Man, when I look at my kids' savings accounts for college, do I wish that that's what I had to save for.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So why are you running for village president? I mean, it is a huge job. It's a volunteer job. Yeah. But it's a huge job.
1: It is. Um, So I am running because people asked me to run. Um, I was at uh, Achieve Foundation dinner. The Achieve Foundation is a a charitable organization here that helps to support our schools by doing great things like buying musical instruments for music departments, uh, supporting STEM programs. Um, I was at this dinner uh, on their night of 100 dinners, and people approached me and they said, "We, we need you to do this. Please, will you do this?
0: Why? Why, why did they feel so compelled to say, we need you to do this?
1: I think that a couple of reasons. First, I had just left that job where I was working full-time and traveling like crazy, and I have more time to do this now. And they knew that I had time. Um, they also know that I am committed to our village and that I care about our community and that I have a political background. I think that the first political campaign I worked on was probably the Dukakis campaign uh, back when I was in high school. Um, it's been a long time, but I stay involved in politics. I am committed to not just national politics, but local politics. Might not have gone to every Board of trustee meeting, but I am involved in our community through my school, through those charitable organizations like Achieve. and. I care. I am deeply committed to this community.
0: What have your supporters shared with you in regards to the key reasons, the key issues that drove them to say, Emily, we need your assistance here?
1: Uh, A couple of things. The first one was the sale of Village Hall. Um, People came up to me and they said, you know, we have to preserve the historic buildings in our village. And that is, that Village Hall is a cornerstone of, the the beauty of our town and while I think that it is it, it's important to examine those kinds of structures and ensure that as we preserve them we make really good choices you can't preserve everything but for something like village hall which is such a, a, a marker for our village it's it's on our website it that that beautiful building as one of the oldest municipal buildings in the state in in Essex County. It's got this grandeur. I know that we've spent millions of dollars abating that building. Let's be very cautious if we're going to make decisions about that kind of history for our village, that historic preservation. Uh, That was a, a key element here. The other side of it was that people saw that this race was completely uncontested, and they were dismayed by that. The idea that People weren't jumping into this fray. They felt as if the board of trustees and the role of village government was blocked out to them, that people aren't allowed to just show up and sign up and get involved, that in many respects it's a closed system, that people aren't invited to join. And I think there's a difference between saying we're transparent, here we are, come find us, and come and join us. There's a difference between saying there isn't a barrier to... I'm reaching out to you as a member of village government, extending my hand to bring you into this village, not just sign up and volunteer and maybe we'll consider your application. Please come and volunteer. There's a space for everyone. This is a volunteer job. All of our board of trustee members, the village president, this is an unpaid volunteer job. Everybody has another job that they're doing. We have to carve out time in our lives to make sure that we can do this. But it's that important. And we have to make sure that we have such incredible, bright, and wonderful people in our community that we engage with that community and bring them in to pull them into village government.
0: Well, uh, as our current village president, uh, Mr. Torpy, had uh, vowed at the beginning of his term that it was going to be uh, transparent and open government. But it's interesting to hear that some of the perspectives of some of the South Orange uh, uh, constituents felt that it wasn't transparent.
1: Yes. I think that a lot of people feel that it isn't transparent, um, that, you know, there's a lot of, hey, it's transparent, it's on the website. I think that Frank Lautenberg is still listed as our senator on that website, and we can't rely on a website to be our key engagement with government in our village.
0: So what would you do differently if, if you think about uh, some of the simple fixes to, to communication, um, what would you do to, well, you to do, ensure that it's, it's you transparent? You do
1: start with the simple things. You do start with making sure that that village website is 100% updated, um, but also that it's easier to get through all of those things. I know that we have plans that the village government is working on. They've been working on those plans to update that website for a long time. Like you said, that was Alex's big thing when he came in. I'm going to update the website. And some of those changes have been made in four years, but some of them are still in the planning phases. We need to make sure we take those next steps, finalize those products. Don't don't just plan, finish.
0: I think someone on the other side of of the fence, playing devil's advocate, would say that the mobile app that they have launched where uh, citizens can – um, send a picture of uh, a street sign or, or street hole that pothole that needs to be repaired, and they get a response, I think they would say that, well, we have taken a big stride in regards to uh, providing this type of tool where the residents can share their concerns publicly or, or privately if, if they like.
1: And sharing concerns is really important. Being able to have a venue where you can say, hey, there's a broken lamp in front of my house, or there's a dangerous pothole on my street. Those are really important avenues, but there's a difference between being able to tell your village government about something or tell the, the, um, the Department of Public Works about something so that they can come and fix it, and having government pull you in away from your already busy life and saying, hey, we have the CERT program. Um, come and volunteer. Now, I know CERT is on the website, and I know they're working hard to market that. But let's make For sure the benefit
0: I- of our, our listeners, tell mm-hmm. us about what is CERT.
1: Um, so I, it's something I'm learning about that's, that's new in our village. Well, not too new, but it's new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a program that is intended to get community members involved at a volunteer level to handle crises like Hurricane Sandy, to be the first responders in our neighborhoods. And we have a program that's run by Andrew Boyarski in our town, who, it's called CERT, C-E-R-T, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember what that acronym, acronym means that's right now, mm-hmm. but where I think it's one Saturday a month, you come and you get your training. I am signed up for April 25th, I, I hope other people can find it mm-hmm. and come. It's, it's a volunteer organization, be the first responder in your community because in a crisis like Hurricane Sandy, you need to not just be prepared for yourself, but you need to be prepared for your whole community. Right. Um, I was without power. My neighbor had a generator. How are we going to resolve those issues between the two of us? But let's make sure that we're resolving these things in an right. appropriate community way. Is that
0: done in conjunction with the American Red Cross? I don't know. You know, interesting enough, uh, three years ago, I had a, the uh, the local president of the American Red Cross uh, on the program uh, to talk about um, – Hurricane Readiness. Yes. And um, yeah, it would be interesting. I will, I will check into that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Miss Emily Hines. She is a candidate for the Village President of South Orange. The election will take place on Tuesday, May 12th. And uh, we're a third of the way through our interview, so I think I'm going to uh, ask you about your skill sets, why uh, folks should vote for you in regards to your three important skill sets that you bring to the table
1: so it's interesting because I think we all have lots of different skills Um, the the reason that I picked village president over board of trustee isn't just because village president was the open spot Um, the board of trustee members essentially all get to keep their jobs even even my opponent if you like her you do get to keep her Um, but it's really because I think that I fit best into the leadership role I'm a consensus builder, someone who has the power to not just negotiate, but reach a valuable compromise with others. I'm not an adversarial person by nature. I know I'm an attorney, and that's a, being adversarial in that job is really important, but my role here, I, I really think that I will rely on those communication skills, those leadership skills, that experience that I have as an attorney, that training I have as an advocate, not just advocating for my own position, but being an advocate for the people of South Orange to the board of trustees. They're the ones who vote, but that village president role is a very strong role as a policymaker to provide the leadership and guidance to that board, to present the issues that the villagers, our citizens have, To ensure that the board isn't just looking at their own ideas, but they're addressing the needs of each of the different communities we have here. South Orange may only be three square miles, but we are incredibly diverse. We have these beautiful, unique, distinctive neighborhoods. And I know with those leadership skills, those advocacy skills, that I can be the conduit between the Board of Trustees and the community, uh, the ombudsman of the community. Um, I'm also a mom. I have two kids in our public schools, and frankly I think that being a parent and being able to negotiate with the kinds of needs and the the kinds of multitasking you have to do on a daily basis gives me some unique perspective in life. Um, I'm the Daisy Troop leader. Uh, I understand what it's like to have to coordinate 13 six-year-old girls. It's a challenge. Um, it's, and it's, but it's fun, though. It is so fabulous. I love those kids. <laughs> um, it is. It requires a level of patience that I never thought that I had. Um, it's wonderful, but those are, are sort of the key skills here. I am really. Uh, I bring to the table leadership and advocacy, and consensus building.
0: You know, with leadership comes managing conflict, conflict resolution. Um, what is your methodology for um, re- reaching consensus when the situation could could be uh, very conflictive, if you say, uh, have a lot of conflict in regards to the passion around a particular issue?
1: I think that the first step is always listening. You know, in my job um, in, in corporation, my job was to coordinate litigation um for the policyholders at the company I worked for, to when a, a huge mass tort or toxic tort case would come in, my job was to find the right people for the right jobs, and then get them to sit in a room and agree on a strategy. And you can't do that by dictating. You can't do that by saying my way or the highway. You have to go in and you have to say, let me hear you. Let me hear what you have to say first. Let me listen before we snap to judgment, before we decide what's best. The ends don't justify the means. Let's go through the process and listen first. Let's engage with people and hear what they have to say. Let's make sure we've told everybody what we're doing first. Um, The first step is always listening. And then after you've listened, you have to create a plan. You have to take those things that you've heard people say create not just a checklist, but a real plan that is developed for the long term and examine it. And then you have to present those ideas back. And you can't do it by shouting. You can't do it by demanding. You have to talk to people. You have to speak to them in the language that they understand. And that language is going to be the same for everybody.
0: So if you were to win, um, I sure hope so. You're going to be Outman man out, so to speak, because the current uh, trustees are running unopposed. That's right. Um, How will you build uh, consensus with them, being that um, they have a particular set of power?
1: I think that the first place to start is finding what we have in common. You know, I am sure that there are lots of things that I have in common with my opponent. I am 100% sure that we both care about our community. I think that with each of those Board of Trustee members, that they have undertaken this incredibly momentous job as volunteer government in our village. And I respect that, and I know that the reason that I'm getting involved is very much the reason they got involved in the first place, because we care. And starting with the things we do have in common, is the way we start building bridges with one another so that we can make those connections and find out where else we, we can share ideas. Um, but starting at the beginning, we have to find out what we have in common. I don't think I'm that different from, um, in terms of what I care about here. I think that I, I have a different perspective though about how we approach that and what my vision is for this village.
0: So moving on to that, that is a great segue. And uh, for our listeners who have just joined us, we are here with Miss Emily Hines, who is running for Village President of South Orange. Again, the election is on May 12th. I encourage everyone to get out to the polls, whether you do it by absentee ballot or to show up to the polls on May 12th. So let's talk about your vision for growth and economic development.
1: So I didn't pick my campaign name by accident, Smart Growth for South Orange. I'm in favor of a smart, sustainable and responsible growth that gets us through the long term, that is not short-sighted. And right now, I think that what we need to do to achieve that is preserve our historic neighborhoods and buildings. We need to renovate but not obliterate. We need to remember that empty space, and, and I'm quoting somebody else here, but Empty space is not blighted space in our town. Let's examine carefully and closely and cautiously before we make decisions to give out variances, pilots, or abatements. Now, pilots are payments in lieu of taxes, so it brings in some money for our village, but that money doesn't go to the schools. And it puts an increased share of the tax burden for those schools onto the homeowners. And that tax burden is growing. It's growing exponentially. And we need to ensure that everyone in our village shares that burden. Before we had the Midtown Direct, we needed to provide significant incentives to builders to come here to ensure that we got the great guys to come in and and put up those projects, to give those incentives to, to pull people in, But now that we have the Midtown Direct, and now that our community has changed so much, you know, we, we, years ago we narrowed South Orange Avenue to slow down traffic through there. We've changed the way that our village looks and feels. We need to change our strategy too, instead of abatements and pilots and variances. We don't need to use those kinds of incentives at the rate and level we're using them now. Um, In March, our town designated our entire village as a rehabilitation district under the blighted areas clause of the local redevelopment and housing law in New Jersey. And that's not my vision. Every home, every property in South Orange is now in this rehabilitation district. They didn't take one neighborhood and say that's the area that needs rehabilitation. They designated our entire village
0: and what does that mean, that the sure. businesses in, tax in South Orange in this area will pay less taxes? And uh, w- w-
1: No. it. And I, I don't want to be alarmist here. It's mm-hmm. not a redevelopment district, so they're not going to... It doesn't give them the ability to take homes. If they had gone the redevelopment district route, they could have done that. It's a rehabilitation district. And rehabilitation gives them the power to... Um, grant variances, abatements, and pilots much, much more freely. Mm -hmm. It means that they can... They don't have to follow the same kinds of rules that they would have with respect to our uh, master plan in our village. They've designated everything for rehabilitation. And I I frankly don't see that we have blighted property here. Um, There are areas that are in need of... Help. Um, but I don't see, you know, d- does. When, st-
0: when you think of blighted properties, you think of Detroit. Yes. You know, uh, abandoned, broken windows, mm-hmm. easy. Uh, we, we, we don't have that.
1: No. Mm. And while there are areas, there are absolutely areas of our village that need assistance in um, renovating, in growing. We want to grow, but we need to grow s- with smart, responsible growth. And granting variances isn't the way to do that. Taking a distinctive neighborhood of single-family homes, historic homes, and parking condos in their backyards, or taking a neighborhood of small structures like duplexes and single-family homes, and suddenly putting in really big apartment buildings next door. You know, is that what we want? Do we want to be very cautious in granting variances to things like setbacks and parking. We have a parking crisis here. Um, And we need to make sure that as we grant that variance for how many spaces per unit those builders can have, we need to be very cautious. There are lots of ways that we can allow a variance without losing something for our community. Community Community-based agreements, contracts with teeth in them, that insist that that builder do something in exchange for that variance. Not just put up a building on an empty lot. That's great, they're gonna do that anyway. But let's make sure that we have a community-based agreement or an agreement with our village that they're gonna put parking someplace else in exchange for that. Let's make sure we've done our homework. Hurricane Sandy, we saw unprecedented amounts of flooding. And if we've got huge open spaces on graded property, Let's make sure we're being extremely cautious that we're not creating flooding across huge areas or across neighborhoods. Let's make sure we've done that environmental impact study and ensure that as we cover those things with buildings, and I I know that depending on the percentage, we have to use more permeable solutions for those paved areas, but that doesn't make the roof permeable. Um, That water has to go someplace. And let's make sure we're not flooding basements, we're not flooding our village. Um, by being short-sighted. Let's ensure that as we put up a 215-unit apartment building on 3rd and Valley, that if we're going to, and I hear there's another project slated for 4th and Valley now, let's make sure if we do that, we're not creating such a massive number of people in here that our infrastructure can't keep up. We have roads and police force and a fire department, a public works department, and schools that have to be able to support that growing population. How are we going to do that if we grow too fast? Let's make sure that that growth matches the kind of infrastructure improvements that we can afford.
0: Now, this question uh, might be a little bit challenging for you to answer because we hadn't talked about it, but I'm just wondering in the past when we thought about as a village, Third and, and Valley, you know, where the project is going up, as if ha, have we done a study in regards to the level of services that we're currently providing, if we add in these bodies, are we still able to provide those level of services?
1: So I know that Third and Valley was an issue that came up, for example, in that 2009 vision plan. And in 2009, there was a recommendation for a project that was about half the size maybe a little bit more than half the size of what is currently going in now as our village planners that we have worked with have updated that plan um, I I don't see and and again I'm not an expert I don't on on planning law but what I don't see here is assurances that not just that we can match that one space but that as we're building those 215 units we make sure that it our infrastructure can keep up with those units, but also the fact that we've just put in another big apartment complex right next to the train station a few blocks over, and we have the avenue and the gaslight and all of those buildings and obviously the gaslight is not as new but all of that increase is coming very very quickly and rapidly and we need to make sure that we can keep up with that rate of growth it isn't just the one building that's going in and it's a big one I'm amazed at how big it is and how close it is to the curb line
0: I was driving on Third Avenue the other day and I was just asking myself so where will the people walk on the sidewalk because it it, it looks dangerously close tight, tight yes closed.
1: <clears throat> I don't know um, I have looked at that construction site I have looked at um, the the previous plans that, that I' found online um, or, or I guess Sort of artistic renderings, um, and I, I don't see the matchup. Frankly, um, I'm curious to see how it's going to look in the end. I really am hopeful that it's going to be great. I want our town to be great. I am not going to rush to judgment on something that I can't I can't visualize just yet. And look, construction zones are really tough because there's so much going on, and when things are finished, they look awfully different. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be successful. Um, I, I wanted to be yes. I wanted to be safe. I want to make sure that we invite those apartment renters into our community so that they stay. We don't want people to come here, live for a couple years, and then move to Livingston. We want them to be invested in our community to love it just as much as I do.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Miss Emily Hines. She is a candidate for the village presidency of South Orange Village, which the election is on May twelfth. Emily, we are wrapping up here. Uh, What last thought would you like to leave with the voters of South Orange in regards to getting to know Miss Emily Hines, mother of two?
1: (laughs) Yes, mother of two. Um, Two really big handfuls, frankly. Um, I think that I'd like to say we're really fortunate to call South Orange Village our home. I'm fortunate to live in this town with its incredible diversity, its culture, its schools, its parks. We have unique and distinctive, wonderful neighborhoods. I want it to thrive and grow. I want small businesses to grow. I want to feel safe in our village. Um, I want to make sure that every decision we make as a government is in for the benefit of the people of this village, that it is for the benefit of thriving and growing and improving our village, but making sure that that growth is smart and responsible and looks to the long term and isn't just a short term solution.
0: Great! R- quickly, your website that people can go oh, to.
1: We are smartgrowthforsouthorange.wordpress.com.
0: Well, Emily, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the program, and I guess you're going to be back uh, when we have the joint discussion with. I'm looking uh, forward to it. Uh, with 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 your opponent, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Miss Emily Hines, candidate for Village President, South Orange election, May twelfth. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership. Have a great weekend. And remember, leadership begins with you.